0: Neither Marcus nor Tabby are a professional broadcaster. This will soon become evident. The detective inspectors. The detective inspectors. The detective inspectors. The detective inspectors.
1: inspectors. (laughs) Go Welcome one and all. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. My name is possibly Marcus Braeburn. Hey Marcus, I'm Tabby. And we are... The... Detective, detective inspectors. inspectors.
0: The Reflective Defectors. <laughs> <laughs> the what now? The Reflective detective. <laughs> The the, the, the reflective, (laughs) the reflective defectors. um, That's why I'm uh, wearing a uh, mirror mirror suit and have um, uh, done a whole load of research about the uh, Cambridge Five. Uh, Isn't that what we're here to do? I don't understand the the references. I do like the mirrored suit. Thank you very much. Thank you. It cost a fucking fortune. I bet it did. (laughs) It's really uncomfortable. And you've got to be really careful, if <laughs> you break
1: any part of it, that's seven years' bad luck.
0: Oh, it's... it's, it's multiple, multiple times that now. I'm, I'm, I'm basically destined to a life of purgatory and hell. So, um, yeah. Welcome to welcome. the Detective Inspectors. Yeah, slightly strange
1: opening. Yeah, sorry about that. Here we are. Episode four. Yep. Episode four of the released uh, podcast. It's uh, worth saying that last week the episode that was released, Bergerac, was recorded previously. Yes. Due to circumstances beyond no our control. But that's we're gonna play into that. That's gonna it, be it's, it's been
0: actually incredibly fortuitous. Almost as if we planned it. Although Which when, we didn't. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we are watching We are watching Ran from only two series, but not for reasons of quality. Um more for reasons of um, the actor wanting to uh, diversify his uh, his role and not be, um, shall we say, tied to his ra- tied to his performance. We- Very good, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we
1: watched an
0: episode of
1: Shoestring. And if I could just say that is not to be confused with uh, Shoestring, real name Raham Rahim Peterson, who was. Uh, one of the three brothers in foul-mouthed gangster rap outfit, the Dayton family. (laughs) That is some that that is some very obscure research. Yeah, found it out this
0: morning. Um, can you can you sing us one of their songs? Nope. Okay. But I did listen to one of them on uh, internet this morning called FBI. Um, and I'm uh, guessing it was probably
1: anti-establishment, reasonably fairly <laughs> anti-women. Uh, oh, and generally quite. But actually, it actually, quite a good track that I heard today. So you like it? It's not. But the point is, and we don't want to get hung up on this. It's not that
0: shoestring. Okay, okay. Um, lest there be confusion. Um, this shoestring. Th- thank you
1: for thank you for clarifying. <laughs> well, for re- for basically, the reason I have to clarify that is for reasons administrative error beyond our control. The picture for this episode of the podcast is of. <laughs> Raheem Peterson from the foul-mouthed rap outfit the Dayton family so there is a danger that people will be listening to this expecting something very different and what they're actually getting is 1979 forward slash 1980s private eye detective shoestring played by Trevor Eve and not a podcast about foul mid-90s gangster rap outfit the Dayton family so In your exhaustive
0: research, you couldn't tell the difference between (laughs) Trevor Eve
1: and a 90s rapper. I could, but (laughs) the the guys in the office. Oh, I I, I I see. I said to the guys in the office, find me a picture of Shoestring for this episode, and they found a picture of the, the mid 90s gangster rapper. Shoestring, aka Raheem Peterson, yeah, the from the 1990s gangster rap outfit, the Dayton Family, and not a picture of Trevor Eve.
0: So what? So what? Shoestring. S- what you're saying is the uh, detective inspector's team um, failed. Team in inverted commas. yes. Right. Okay. Well, we we need to we need to get on that and actually get uh, get some people who um, know what they're doing. Um,
1: <laughs> that's... I think it would be good to get people who know what they're doing for all the positions in the podcast. Christ, wouldn't it? (laughs) So shoestring. Yes. Interesting fact about shoestring. Do you want to take it, or shall I take it? Um, I like. um, And before, do you want to take it? uh, Before you take it, I want to call this the detective butterfly effect.
0: Yes, we we seem to have found ourselves in some sort of. um, uh, strange loop dimension where um, everything we do is is, is seems to be connected. Um, so uh, through random coincidence, um, last time we brought you Bergerac, and through a very strange coincidence, it would seem Bergerac would never have existed had what's it said, Trevor, Trevor, um, Trevor Eve, Trevor Eve, Trevor McRex. Eve. Oh, okay. <laughs> Trevor Eve basically declined to do any more series of shoestring thus the writers and creators of shoestring then went on to create Bergerac so fuck I don't know where I am and what's going on and what to do anymore I mean I'm, I'm stuck in a loop and if there if was I could
1: take it even further please do. had Trevor Eve not decided to turn down further series of shoestring Bergerac would not have been created, if Bergerac could not have been created, Midsummer Murders would never have existed, and if Midsummer Murders had never existed, we would not be sat here doing this podcast. So if uh, anyone is to blame for this, it is Trevor Eve.
0: Yeah, yeah, And, um, Midsummer Murders uh, being the main... uh, so he is, he is responsible for John Mettle's career, um, effectively. Um, he might have gone on to do other things, but who knows. Um, he's also responsible for the fact that we've spent hours, days, weeks of our lives staring at John Mettle's face, so. Um, Which I can assure you is not a good thing. It is not a good thing. And here is my bombshell. Guess what I'm gonna be working on? What? We've only got fucking Bergerac.
1: No way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm going to be spending an awful lot of time and you possibly as well. Um, Maybe. Restoring for public consumption fucking Bergerac. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Bergerac. <laughs> the spin-off <for> Yes.
1: <laughs> the detective inspectors. So she's doing four regular cast members. Trevor Eve. Uh, he plays Eddie String. He is a private basically his background is he was he used to work in computers and he had a nervous breakdown and, and then bear, he became a private
0: eye. And bear in mind this is this is computers in sort of like nineteen seventy nine. So I mean you you generally have like a, a pretty impressive kind of like maths and sort of like science background. You you would be a very very smart guy. I mean, to go from the, to take that leap from being effectively a scientist in uh, in those days to becoming
1: a radio, a local radio DJ. Well, no, that's not because that's not what happens. I watched a f- quite a few episodes of this in preparation, okay. <laughs> and what happens is in the first episode he is a private eye, and he is. Obviously, he's flunked out of his computer career because of a nervous breakdown, which I don't really. A few times they mention it. He mentions that he's in computers in a lot of the other episodes that I watched. But what happens is at the end of that first episode, he is offered a job on the radio station as their private ear. Right. Um, because, because the first case involves one of the people in the in the radio station. So, and that catches the attention of second regular character who is uh, Don Satchley, who is the station owner. Right. He shows up in this one. Then you've got Doran Godwin, who plays Erica Baylis, who is his, his girlfriend forward slash landlady. So, uh, just to go back quickly... Um,
0: the radio Don's actually the uh, radio owner. Is he? He's effectively paying. Kind of, he. He plays like the chief role in in like a, you know, is he a is he a good guy? Is is he a supportive or is he 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 just, he? just cares about
1: the ratings. It depends. Really. It depends on the case. There's, okay. there's episodes I've watched where he is like, no shoestring stop. Right. I don't want you to investigate whatever it is because it's a waste of time or. It's you know okay. pushing the boundaries of whatever, so he's not so he's, he's not of, that stereotype, he, he, he's kind of neutral, but he is ratings, he's ratings hungry because yeah. he's in charge yeah. of the radio station. Yeah. A radio station, by the way, that everyone in this series seems to listen to and know who Eddie Shoestring is, yeah. Um, because uh, as
0: we all know, there is only one radio station in Bristol, um, and uh, that's what helped. Um, form the uh, 90s uh, trip-hop movement because there was no other music, only what Shoestring would play. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> Shoestring doesn't
1: play music. Oh. The guy, at, where, the guy at Radio West who plays music is the guy we see in this episode who is the most local radio DJ man you've ever seen.
0: Uh, the, Here's inter- another one
1: for you. Enjoy this. Uh, interestingly
0: enough, they, um, the reason that they had a lot of difficulty getting this... Um, uh, put out onto DVD because of uh, licensing issues because they
1: do actually play good music. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah, uh, and they do, and we'll get onto that when we get onto this episode. Some of the good music. <laughs> no, no, no. We'll get onto the good music when we get. Just get. I'm just going to get past this last okay. regular cast member. Liz Quelver plays Sonia, the receptionist, and she's in them all as well. Felony, homicide. So, shoestring, find a lady. Um Can, can I just before we start heard would you say the cast in this is off the scale. It's phenomenal. For eight for seventies, eighties TV. The cast in this episode of Shoestring is immense. Do you want to um do
0: you wanna give us a quick rundown of, of who exactly who exactly we're dealing with here? Um No,
1: I don't know <laughs> Go for it. I'll do the But what I'll do, I'll try and do the plot and the cast at the same time. Okay. To save time. So obviously, uh, find the lady. So this episode revolves around a band, the lead singer of which is Toya Wilcox.
0: Toya Wilcox, um, playing effectively herself, but... um, What do they call her? Tua? Tula. 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 So Tula,
1: but we're going to probably just call her Toya, because that's much easier. Yeah. So Toya basically is in a band and the band is managed by none other than National Treasure Christopher Biggins. Christopher Biggins playing a hard-nosed Bristolian gangster.
0: And would just say, for anyone who doesn't know Christopher Biggins, this is very much against type. <laughs> that is fair to say.
1: Um, you know... <laughs> is, it fair to, is, is it fair to say that National Treasure Christopher Biggins would best be described as a camp entertainer um, probably the the campest of entertainers I would have thought yeah um, definitely up there since uh, Alan Carr before Alan Carr you kind of
0: had Christopher Biggins uh, yeah yeah, brilliant he's brilliant, yeah, he's uh, brilliant. Uh, oh no he's awesome um did he did he win that jungle thing? Um, oh, I'm not sure. He was in it, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, gamely eating like the kangaroo balls and whatever
1: else they do on that program. Um, but they're the main they're the main two people in it. Yeah. that we need to be concerned about really. They're the two big stars, but there are there are other stars along the way, and we'll get to them as we go along.
0: I'm I'm looking forward to this
1: because. <laughs> I think it's amazing. <laughs> it's great. It's great. I've never seen like I've watched all the other. I've watched a few of the not all the other episodes. This, but I've watched quite a few of them in preparation to pick what episode we are going to do. And the other episodes, there is nowhere near the stellar I, I, cast. I when I use the word stellar, in a... I mean. In the mid 70s. I I, I, I would,
0: well, late 70s. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: But I I would say also it's probably the most random collection of actors and celebrities you could possibly find and like stick into a 45 minute detective programme. It's good, it's good. I just, I I don't know quite what the casting people were thinking. I mean, it works. uh, I think
1: it works. But also, get on it. Well, let's get into the plot. Let's get into the plot, and then we'll find out who a few more of these people are. So, as I said, it revolves around a band managed by Christopher Biggins, the lead singer of which is Toy Walcox, both of whom are excellent in this. Um, and 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 you quickly find out that the the band managed by Biggins they recently sacked the bass player. The bass player is a character called Mole. Um, they- who, is very much modelled on Ronnie Wood. Um, very they, much uh, modelled on Ronnie Wood. And I've been struggling, thinking he. I was like, who is he? Who is he? And actually, he wasn't really in anything. He was uh, he was in Quadrafina as like an uncredited right guy. Uh, yeah. A, a, a mod, I guess. I think he was a mod. I, think, I can kind of, I recognize him, but I think I recognize him because he does look like yeah, they, they Wood. yeah, they've
0: gone out of their way
1: to make him look like Ronnie Wood. He's got the same hair. Yeah. He's got the same face. <laughs> got the same name. <laughs> so basically, what happened was, and I've, I've watched this, the first half of this episode now, three times, so I'm quite au okay fait with this. <laughs> Go on then. Basically, the bassist yeah. turns up at the gig. He's thrown out of the gig by Christopher Biggins and his thug. Christopher Biggins' thug is played by Chris Jagger, none other than Mick Jagger's little brother. Yeah. And the family resemblance is all there. Um, Plus also he, in as much as Mole is playing Ronnie
0: Wood, Mick, Chris Jagger is is literally doing everything he can possibly do to look like Mick Jagger. It's looks, and act like Mick. I mean, he looks like him and sounds like him, but like he's got the strut. And I can't imagine
1: that's like a family trait. That's that that's well, a, might be. No, it's not. <laughs> you look exactly like and sound exactly like and talk exactly like your brother. No, I don't. I don't walk like
0: him. <laughs> <laughs> like Mick Jagger has a very specific strut. Um, there is a family resemblance, though, <laughs> so, between you and your brother. Well, that's you know because that's that family, <laughs> isn't it? That's because we're related. But so I can't imagine someone as so like over the top as Mick Jagger would that uh, that th- that could be possibly hereditary. So, do you
1: think they told him walk and act and talk as much like your brother as possible?
0: I think they said we're a mid-budget. Um, Potentially BBC production. Um, BBC. Um no. we we, oh, we, maybe we, we can't we can't afford um, we can't afford your brother, but basically just, well, Mick, just Jack, do,
1: do your best to be Mick Jagger. Basically. There's no money in the world would get Mick Jagger into this in the late nineteen seventies. And basically what happens is Mole Ronnie Wood, yep. for the sake of argument for the sake of this episode, Ronnie Wood barges into the gig, Toya is brain, and it turns out that he used to be the bassist in this band, and he was thrown out of the band. Um, apparently for doing too much acid, which, you right, know... fair dues. Um, it was those days. It, yeah. And um, so Christopher Biggins and Chris Jagger basically throw him off the pier into the sea which i think is it's, it's pretty extreme i mean he survives it's quite but hard there's to, no they, guarantee that they're not going to murder him in that
0: well they do have the, the courtesy of throwing him like a um a, a lifesaver um so that's that's kind of it, it kind of empties the your threat
1: really um, i'm not sure if i threw you off of a pier at high tide into the sea and you died, and I said, "Well, I did throw in a life ring." After yeah, yeah. Him. Is that getting me off? I don't think uh, so. I think you probably I enjoy think it. <laughs> 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 I probably, yeah, I probably would. <laughs> but am I getting am I getting away with that? Am I getting Pr- away with manslaughter rather than murder Pr- because uh, I threw a rubber uh, ring in after you? Yeah, I, th- I think. Uh, it's like shooting someone in the face and then driving them to the hospital <laughs> and saying I didn't mean it. <laughs> I always intended to drive them to the hospital afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Once you've thrown someone off a pier into the sea, it, I it's, think it's morally I think ambiguous. You've <laughs> me, that's attempted murder. Anyway. That, yeah. But you does not anyway, die. He, He survives, and and basically he gets taken to the police station. Toya, oh, am I missing a key point? Oh, no, no, the key point comes now. Okay. Toya then contacts Shoestring. Yes. our Our first sighting of Shoestring in this episode. And Shoestring comes to the pier, talks to Toya, and we get the expositional scene where we find out exactly what's going on. And what's going on is... Mole, Ronnie Wood, yep. Ronnie Wood, and Christopher Biggins, Mal Kendrick, if you will, I won't. both had both had dibs on the same girl, and so they're both seeing the same girl, and then Christopher Biggins got jealous, and he, so he sacked Mole, and now this girl has disappeared, and this is basically the crux of the episode, is the girl's disappeared, Mole's been kicked out of the band, Mole thinks that Christopher Biggins has killed the girl and Toya and Christopher Biggins denies it obviously as he would. Even if he had killed the girl, you'd deny it. Yeah. And so Toya calls in Shoestring, tells all this stuff, and that's and, and, and Mick Jagger's brother overhears this. And that's and to be honest, that is kind of the that is the crux of the episode. Uh, 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 there's one character that you're missing, which is um
0: uh, uh, pseudo Ronnie Wood's brother, who is mm. a um, who's a policeman, um, I'm, uh, and you know, a typical kind of late seventies, early eighties, sort of like will gladly smash you in the face, kind of policeman, um, which he does. He, he when uh, pseudo Ronnie Wood is found, um, like he's put in the cell, and um, his brother comes in and like smacks him in the face. His brother, um,
1: who, UK, UK listeners. listeners, international listeners, maybe wouldn't be so I but Ronnie Wood's brother in this episode is none other than Peter Dean, Pete Beale from EastEnders. Yep. And it turns out, this is the third thing I've seen Peter Dean in, I've seen him in EastEnders, yep. I've seen him in Chang Yang Kipobang, Right. which we did at work, Yep. We also played a policeman, and now I've seen him in this. And in every episode, that's a terrible voice. That, yeah, was that Australian? No, I know. I was <laughs> in the voice earlier, probably. Anyway, he's, he basically plays Pete Bill from EastEnders. He's got the same voice, the same thing, and he's knocking his brother about. Basically, he, he, he believes that his brother is in second stage schizophrenia. Uh, uh, and and you've got South African now. What the fuck are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> There's a trouble with accents, you see. I just, can do them. Just don't do them. No, I can do them, but I can only do them when they're like... Just South African or Australian. <laughs> but I can only do them when the microphone's not on. <laughs> <laughs> That's it turns out. That's a poor excuse. <laughs> so to rattle through the rest of this plot, because not much more happens, Pete Bell knocks his brother about, shoestring meets Mole, Yep. after a chase sequence of no consequence, which involves some larger people getting tattoos.
0: <laughs> oh, God, can we go into that please? <laughs> yes. it, it, it <laughs> so we go into this grossy little sort of like tattoo.
1: Mole <laughs> disappeared. She goes into a tattoo parlor to find Mole.
0: And uh, for no reason we just have a very large man um, with his gut out, sitting there, uh, shoestring is sort of uh, apprehensive about the tattoo artist and and appreh- apprehensive about sort of like the, the tattoo and and uh, asks uh, asks the overweight man with his tattoos. Um, on full display whether his wife likes it and like the, the, um, the man says yes that's fine transpires that his wife's also getting a tattoo at that moment at that moment um, the large man leaves with his wife with his top off into the, Just the, walks into the road with his top off yeah, yeah. The, the, the kind of like the, the
1: walks into a dismal Bristol day with <laughs> it doesn't I, I I'm quite enjoying this episode of Shoestring. I've seen it three times after the point <laughs> that we've watched it. I'm quite enjoying it. But even on the third watch... I still no not purpose. I still <laughs> not can find the relevance of the of the tattooed people. And why why he hasn't got a shirt on or a t shirt? Yeah it? yeah,
0: just um, you know it was a different time then obviously. But um, I still
1: think people with tattoos wore shirts. Yeah,
0: so I think basically on the the IMDb write up of, of shoestring is that it's, um, it's supposed to be a a, a light hearted detective program. But what we've actually seen so far hasn't been particularly light hearted, so I'm guessing this is just a, this simply is like a bit, the, the a comedy relief really this is. A bit. Yeah.
1: So she's String meets Mole, she's String meets Biggins. They have a chat. Yep. Biggins denies the fact that she's so this girl's supposed to have been missing for five weeks. Yeah. He then goes and sees someone at a beach hut or something with Linda Bellingham there, just as a beauty queen. Yeah. Um, who's it, from the Oxford, the Oxo adverts. The Yeah, so... If lovely you, Linda Bellingham. Lovely, rest her soul. Basically, Biggins is denying anything's wrong with this girl. The guy that Shoestring meets when he's with Linda Bellingham says that he saw her live last week. Yeah. Mole is convinced she's dead. So, the, and, and the half of the episode we've watched ends... Where Mole basically, Biggins is going to speak to someone. Shoestring meets Pete Beale, yep, with some vandals who phone a bike into a Ford, yeah, and then <laughs> Fiord, <laughs> and then Mole follows Biggins, and Biggins gets given a souk, a, a briefcase by a mysterious man named Powell right. on the side of the road, and that is where we are. That's where we are. That's so. I hope that is clear. Uh, it,
0: yeah. Let's let's go. There's for that. not
1: much there. Um, I mean, there's really not much there. The basic thing is the girl is missing. So we. So after this, I think we'll come back, and we'll. Uh, we'll try and uh, predict what's going to happen, which I think is going to be quite tricky. Uh, I've got an idea. Um, okay. Well, let's hear about it after the after the break. The detective inspectors.
0: Right, predictions. So.
1: Tabby, do you want to go first?
0: I can go first? Right. I don't have any, so. Okay, so my prediction is, uh, they obviously want you
1: to think that it's big ends. Um, uh, Okay. Okay, if I could just say, having seen this three times, I want to structure the predictions. Okay. Number one prediction. Is the girl dead? Um, ooh, that's,
0: that's, that's good. Um, Because we don't, because uh, unlike some of the other stuff we've done, there's actually no evidence of a crime at this point. There's no body, she's, she is just missing.
1: Yeah, so I just want to, so the first prediction we'll both make, and we'll do it quick, is she dead? Oh Christ, you've, you've
0: genuinely thrown me. Um... I thank you. I don't. I I don't know. Um, I, it would make sense if she wasn't. Um, that would be actually some good writing. So I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna say no. But then that's gonna completely obliterate my actual prediction of what happened. So. Okay.
1: Well, I'm gonna say I don't think she's dead either. Okay. No, that's that's a good point. I don't think she's dead either. I do not think she's dead. And I, and I, and basically, the trouble I've got with this episode is, and I've got a to a lot of the others. There is actual crime happened, and he's solving uh, it. Yeah. In this, I don't think she's dead. And if she's not dead, there is no crime. Uh, yeah, all that happened. Yeah, well, a man well, uh, has been ejected from a punk band and yeah, thrown off a pier. But that's a crime. <laughs> but we all know who did that. And he. Has, yeah, yeah. Like, like Pete Bill. Should have really been investigating the fact that his brother was thrown off a pier while drunk and basically left for dead. Well, that, even if they did throw in a rubber wing. <laughs> excuse me. A rubber wing. Um, a rubber wing. Um, a, rubber wing. A, a rubber wing. I'm trying to uh, do my Cockney accent. For uh, gen- Bill. <laughs> a rubber wing. T- I'm getting it now. No, that's more South African. No, <laughs> <I'm> fucking not.
0: <laughs> anyway, but that uh, that that leads into my prediction. Go on. Um, so I reckon that it is the policeman Pete Beale the brother of mole uh, aka pseudo Ronnie Wood um, I think he is has either killed her or is confining her and like kidnapping her to keep him uh, to keep her away from his brother. Because I think that he believes that she is a bad influence on him and is probably giving him all the acid which made him get kicked, get kicked out of the band in the first place. Oh. That, that is my prediction.
1: So you think that Pete Beale... <laughs> and I've got the voice now. Uh, yeah, do you think yeah. that Pete Beale... You, you're, taken, you're kind of sh- taken sh- sh- to the sh- carvery sh- Shit, Michael Caine. <laughs> taken to the carvery. That's how Pete Bill talks. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> God man. <on, then. laughs> so that's your theory, is it? Yep, that's my theory. That's- Pete Bill's
1: kidnapped. Pete Bill's kidnapped a beauty queen, yeah. and he's keeping her in captivity somewhere. Yeah. To stop her giving his. Ronnie would look like Bubba any more acid.
0: Yeah, when you say it like that, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. my prediction. I need to make a prediction. Yes. Just like anything other than that, really.
1: Uh, I'm. I think there's something with the, the briefcase that we don't know. What the biggins has just been handed, but there must be something to that. Uh, yeah, They've no no television programme of this type would have a, a red herring in it, like that. <laughs> just, like just a briefcase. Uh, yeah, and no, no.
0: <laughs> to... Uh, uh, we haven't touched on the fact that... Um, Christopher Biggins apparently like a CD sort of like who seems to own like one seedy fucking um, nightclub lives in a castle <laughs> he, <laughs> owns, he owns the
1: pier oh does he own the whole <laughs> and the castle <laughs> it is a lovely castle he literally lives in a castle <laughs> what I like about that castle too is it is a good size castle <laughs> for living in it's probably what a five bedder do you know what I mean? You have got your room. I've one room for studio, one room for all his distasteful seventies art stuff that we see. <laughs> it's uh, a lovely uh, castle, cu- When you see some, when you see the establishing uh, shot of that uh, castle, you feel like you're in like Monty Python medieval. Uh, uh, yeah, thing. yeah. I think Biggin's paid the girl to go away. Okay. To give him and it, basically, he needed mole out the band. I think he's paid the girl to go away. And he's hoping that by doing that, Mole is going to like go nuts and basically get himself locked up by being a nuisance and then he can bring the girl back and Biggins can continue his unlikely romance with the beautiful Chrissy. That's what I think. I like it. So I think, I think that, that's my thing. No, I, 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 I'm, I'm with you on that. That makes sense. You can't be with me, that's my that's my prediction. No, no, I'm
0: not I'm you know full credit to you. You're just giving me the uh, I'm just just saying yeah, the that tabby seal of approval for my deduction work. Yep. That is
1: the the official seal of approval. But I think I do stand by the fact that I do not think a crime has been committed, with the exception of throwing a man off a pier. <laughs> yeah. Um
0: I'd also, also like to add that uh, Shoestring uh, looks and dresses
1: like a geography teacher. He does. <laughs> well, I would like to add that I think that's what everyone dressed like in the 70s. So what did geography teachers dress as? <laughs> well, they dress like that. Everyone dressed like that, but people only remember their geography teachers. I'd, I'd like them to dress like maps. <laughs> Like that big like uh, if you had a that big map on Game of Thrones that Cersei's had yeah, on yeah, the floor. Basically. As a as a cloak. Yeah. Effectively. That would be we could market those. <laughs> Join us after this and we'll find out what happened. happened.
0: <laughs> Alright. Okay. Right. Welcome back. Welcome back. So, we have just watched the rest of Shoestring, episode title... Find the Lady. Find the Lady. Did we find the lady? No. No? <laughs>
1: no, we didn't, but we'll get round to what happened to the actual lady. Did uh, <laughs> you enjoy it? Um,
0: I did, but only because of Toya Wilcox, I think. Really, I think that that was that was the main thing. We've, we've just faded out with um, some of her um, fantastic output. Um, uh, Toya Wilcox
1: in this episode is fantastic. Yeah, she is uh, fantastic. All the music she does is brilliant. She is great, and even her acting in the few scenes where she is required to act. I mean she's decent, I, when I, when she I is, thought she was uh, in this uh, I was
0: worried she'd be a terrible actress, but she's not. I mean it's it's not quite as good as her role as um, the bear in the Teletubbies. Um, no, I'm not familiar uh, with such, such things. Uh, oh, I've watched so much Teletubbies, and not because I'm a fucking useless stoner, um, well. <laughs> 50-50. Uh, no, ju- just for professional work related reasons. Okay. I've sat through a lot of Teletubbies, so um, yeah but uh, yeah, Toya War- <laughs> Toy- Toy Wilcox's work as
1: the Bear and the tobbies pretty good. And, he, and she is, as we said previously, pretty good in this. Like, she is. She is great. Her music in this is brilliant. It's, uh, And yeah. I forgot how, you forget how good she is, and this morning before I came out, when I was doing my notes and stuff, I actually popped a few of her things on YouTube, and she's fucking great, Toya Wilcox. She is great. That is the, um... <laughs>
0: The UK Pop-Pump. Pump. Yeah. Excuse me. I'm going to stop that again. Closing a the window there. Closing a the window. To, uh aid with the sound.
1: As <laughs> the UK's Pop... <laughs> Pop-Punk princess. Pop-Punk princess. Yes. She's the people's Pop-Punk princess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the plausible people's Pop-Punk princess. <laughs> pop princess.
1: She's the Pop-Princess. She's the people's Pop-Prin... She's She is the people's Pop-Punk... She is the people's pop-punk princess
0: of our hearts. Um, the people's pop-punk princess with principles.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure. Has she got principles? Oh, I'm guessing so. I'm giving her credit. <laughs> no, nah, she's morally... Morally, morally bankrupt. <laughs> <Longcocks>. <laughs> she's up. She's up to all sorts, especially in the late
0: 70s, early 80s. Um, the views of the, um, the presenters of these
1: of this podcast are not equally shared. So, um, just saying. <laughs> Hashtag. If you think Toy Walcott is morally defunct, then uh, then tweet us. About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> good, get out there. all that's, that's I'm saying. Huh? Okay, okay, that's good. <laughs> Let's go. So. The second half of this episode, and as I mentioned earlier, I've watched this three times the first half. Yep. And I can safely say what happened in the second half here, I was not expecting at all. It goes crazy, the last 20 minutes. So much happens, it's almost impossible to recap. Uh, So much happens,
0: but so very little happens at the same time. (laughs) Um,
1: I think a lot happens. Let's go through it. Okay. Let's go through it. So the first thing you find out when Biggins gets back from receiving his briefcase uh, is that he's doing a deal, and he needs three more days to to finish this deal. We don't know what the deal is, and but we quite soon find out because the next scene is Mole, and we presume uh, money is money is in the briefcase. Presume, presume that. Yeah, we presume that there's money in the briefcase, and that's a fair assumption. Most of the time in a film or television program, if someone is ha- shadily handed a briefcase, it contains money. Uh, yeah, generally. Okay. Unless so. it's Superman Three, and then it's Kryptonite. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the only Richard, exception. <laughs> Richard Breyer isn't in this, so it must be money.
0: Um. Uh, uh, did you say Richard Breyer? Breyer. Breyer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay no, not the guy. From the good, not the guy from the Good Life. <laughs>
1: No, that's Richard <laughs> Bryars. Right. Is it even Richard um, yeah, Bryars. Let's say it is. Someone Bryars. Yeah, let's say, let's say it is. Um, Just, if that means we can move on then great. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so then Mole, after following Biggins, somehow stumbles across a large cave complex. Yeah, um,
0: which was weird that he he breaks into by. Uh, who knew it was so easy to like uh, smash a chain with a pole, like mm. with just some, like you know this is a, a broken old man who's probably not at his best and um, manages to um, uh, smash through a fairly heavy chain just with a couple of hits. But well,
1: we'll leave that. I thought he was going to use it as a jemmy like crowbar open which would have made more sense you would have thought so But yeah it's um, just two hits and he's broken a chain but um, he's he's off his tips on acid anyway so um i don't know if he is i don't know if he is That's what they're saying but i don't think he is at this point um anyway he goes so he breaks in and he, he basically discovers an enormous breaking bad style drug laboratory and, uh, yeah um
0: with what they call acid but is actually just some sort of like white powder and pills. It's um, pills,
1: it's all pills. Yeah. It's um,
0: all pills. But they yeah, they, for some reason they call that acid, but
1: you know I mean I've never uh, <laughs> be careful here. I, I have no experience of acid. But my understanding Box. is my <laughs> members of my family listen to this. My, my understanding is that it's not normally in pill
0: form. You can get it into. You generally get it in two forms. You, you'll get like a liquid form where you can sort of like basically put a, like a drip of it on a on a sugar lump and then consume it that way. Or, sugar lump. Yeah, that's how you took acid. That's... Carry on. Carry on. Um, or you can get it in like
1: blotting form
0: and like blotting paper, effectively. Yeah. Um,
1: that's the form that I'm told. It normally <laughs> comes in. Okay. Um... So, so don't, mold don't, don't do drugs don't,
0: especially don't do acid it's fucking horrible <laughs> I wouldn't know but if, ta- if
1: that's what Tabby says then <laughs> that sounds like good advice avoid acid the next thing that happens moving swiftly along is a beach photographer turns up at the radio station and claims to shoestring that he's got a photograph of Chrissy taken that week but it comes to nothing because <laughs> turns out Turns out it's not Chrissy because shoestrings, landlord for slash girlfriend, uh, slash barrister,
0: slash um, confidant, with glasses. Um um uh, ascertains that it couldn't possibly be her, because um, uh, she was wearing
1: flares that were so last year. <laughs> and A couple of things. A, flares that were very last year, shoes that were last year, but more pertinently, really, the shop that she was standing in front of has a completely different name. Biggins calls Shoestring yep. and says he's found Chrissy. The missing woman has been found. So they go, shoestring Shoestring gets his call in the middle of the day, and then for no reason at all waits until the middle of the night to go down to the pier again and where the band is Toys Band are playing. And um, Chrissy is there and it's all like, Oh right, everything's okay. There is no problem here. Yeah, Chrissy's alive. Blah blah blah. And then it's at that point that Shoestring's friend says that that's not Chrissy. Yeah, that's when that happens. Okay. If you remember. Um. And then uh, and we. Then we Mole, and then Mole tries to ring. Mole tries to ring Shoestring. At some point along here, it all happens quite quickly. All this, Um, Mole tries to ring Shoestring to tell him he found the drug lab, and he gets basically taken away by Mick Jagger's brother and someone else. Um, who,
0: uh, is this where they kick the living shit out of him, or is that has that already
1: happened? What, uh, Mole? I don't know if they kick the living shit out, I think they rough him up a bit. Oh, okay, (laughs) and they rough him up a bit, and then they put. and what I think happens because Mole, when he found the drug laboratory, obviously he, he, he pockets a whole a bunch of it in yeah. his pockets. And I think they just like they must like get Carter style force feed him like a no. bunch of this acid because he he basically ends up dying. Uh, he mole, put, uh, mole, uh, sorry to stop you, but Mole does die. Mole, do, mole dies. Um, the first actual crime that we know of in the episode. Uh, but then
0: that's not really even a you know because that's that's kind of left ambiguous. Um, he basically calls uh, shoestring and and uh, talks about a giant duck um, for uh, because obviously he's just so you know that you know you're high on drugs. Like does the, he say a giant duck? Yeah, he talks about a giant duck. Does he? Unless I really misheard that, but I can't imagine. I do not think he what,
1: does. I, see, I don't remember thinking mole at any point. Said anything that sounded like he was on drugs. I think he said, "No, he no, said, no he it's is. a huge thing. It's going to blow this town right open." He's like, "I found like, I'm sure he doesn't talk about a giant duck." Shit, maybe I'm on drugs. <laughs> you heard it
0: first, listener. <laughs> I'm not on drugs. <laughs> got sugar lump or a little uh, bit of blotting paper. Uh, well, I stuffed a load of paper in my mouth, but I normally do that anyway, just to, just <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, you know, um,
1: um, help the audio. <laughs> <laughs> you much, you much do high pitch, aren't you? Otherwise, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. <laughs> so, mole is dead. Begins, approaches Tallulah. Not Tallulah, that's my friend's cat, Tula. Uh, yeah. Um, and, Toya. And basically says, you have got to go and play a, a series of concerts in Hamburg. And
0: she's not happy with that because that's, you know, they don't get their sound. Um,
1: yeah. What? What? She does say, what does she say? She does say... um Something like I don't want to go to Krautland. Uh, yes,
0: yes. Um, so we do, which I guess that. was
1: fine at the time. Which
0: was fine, you know. The Berlin Wall, Berlin Wall was like nine years away from falling. Um, you know, that's fine. But uh, what uh, what Tula and Toya don't understand is that it's like Hamburg, is exactly where that's where the Beatles got their start. You know, that would be a perfect place to launch your career. Yeah, that'd be huge. Um, It'd be huge. Uh, you know, you could. You know, Beatles did it.
1: Fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, Tula. <laughs> Tula, Tula, and the band could have finally got away from playing every night at this West Country pier on a fucking pier in Bristol. Like, is yeah. it in Bristol? Yeah, yeah, it's all in Bristol. Cause I know it's set in. I know he's set in Bristol, but does Bristol have a beach and a pier? Um, yeah, I think it's on the coast. It's on the. It's got a port. There you no. go. <laughs> no, no, no. But does it have a beach and a pier? Southampton. Sarvant- I have thought Southampton. So. That's got a port. Yeah, yeah. No beach in Southampton. Um, I didn't know Bristol had a beach. I would have thought so. You would have thought so. I would have. Well, I
0: can. I can find out. I can find out. But I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that if it's got a pier, it's got a beach. And I reckon it's probably got a pier. Bristol pier.
1: Something <laughs> ring off the tongue. <laughs> I'm just wondering if this is actually set in Bristol or just outside Radio West, or that shoestring works for, probably covers quite a it's quite a large area. It could be Western Superman. It's, yeah, yeah I think that's it, it's covered by Bristol. We'll we'll check. We'll get back to you. <laughs> Let's, we won't go on. <laughs> so Mole turns up dead having been kind of beaten up a bit and then presumably overdosed, forcibly forced to take an overdose by Mick Jagger's brother. Yeah. I just want to say allegedly. (laughs) Mick Jagger is listening. This is within the confines of a dramatic series. Um, And then basically... Basically, then... Basically, you then cut. It, uh, it, you,
0: you have like you, you have a smash cut, like straight into them. Like begins attempting to get, like, get his drugs onto a plane. But
1: um, well, they're loading big cellophane bags full of pills, very unsubtly. Pills, very <laughs> unsubtly. and also you want to wrap them up a bit more than that in case the bag breaks or. I mean, there might be sniffer dogs and stuff. You want to, like, wrap them up a bit. Plus, a... also, I, I wasn't entirely sure, like, what they were actually
0: sort of, like, putting them into. At first, I thought... Speakers, it, I think. it, it
1: looked <laughs> The first
0: thing I thought, it looked like a pedalo. <laughs> <laughs> Which... The band never travel without their pedalo. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, the... the, the, the the crux is that, like, they had to Biggins wanted the band to go to Hamburg because that was like a perfect excuse for him to get his drugs
1: over to Germany he's obviously got a deal with some like, uh, Hamburg drug dealer and that's what that's what the whole thing's about is the whole thing is about him getting his drugs to Hamburg and then Shoestring somehow knows to turn up and screeches around the corner in his awesome orange uh, Ford Cortina
0: yeah which is a, a, a thing of beauty. It is a
1: great car. Um, he jumps out, runs across to try and stop what's going on. Biggins jumps in. Biggins jumps into the car and and so begins, like, the worst trace you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, the shoestring. Biggins starts to drive off. Shoestring jumps onto the bonnet of the car and holds on for dear life. Biggins proceeds to drive away at about 20 miles an hour and Pete Beale... Turns up on his motorbike and pursues them down the runway. Uh, d- uh, d- uh, d- and people it's Like, if, like if, if if
0: you're you're chasing you're one man on a motorbike chasing a car trying to stop. How the, the how do you stop it? Plus also it's a runway so that there is no you can't go anywhere. Like you can go, you you can pretty much only go round in a circle.
1: He could easily drive that Cortina through the perimeter fence. Uh, do you reckon? Everyone knows that T V fences and movie <laughs> fences are not strong enough to withhold a medium fast moving vehicle. Okay, that's okay, that's 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 a fair point. So I think keeping track of him, but it's shoestring grabbed onto the front for ages. And then what happens is Pete Bill goes in front of the car. Big rather than just smashing, he's that yeah, him yeah, exactly. Away, I You're smashing on. him out of
0: the way. You're talking about like driving through fences, but also it's really easy to drive through a single man on a motorbike, like very the, easy to drive
1: through a market trader on a motorbike, wearing uh, a policeman's uniform. <laughs> it's
0: you know, it's not something you should do, but should you ever need to, um,
1: you know, just clip him, like yeah. uh, you know, he's gone. Um, the car stops. Shoestring opens the door, pulls the keys out, Biggins is therefore nicked, my um, beauty.
0: Yep, yeah, you're fucking nicked my beauty, and then uh, smash cut to the final bit of exposition, where uh, Shoestring's talking to Toya. Tallulah. Tallulah. Uh, to, Tula. Tula. Um, He's talking to Tallulah. To Tallulah. T- 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 <laughs> Don't trip yourself up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and and that's basically it, they Basically, well, no, the exposition is: turns out, Christopher Wiggins did kill Chrissy. Yep. Because Chrissy had slept with Mole, and and that's and and Shoestring tells t- uh, Tula to sing a song for Mole the next time they play, and then they play that song, and that's what you heard when we came back. Yeah, um, and that's the end of it. Uh, yeah. So, what it feels to me like, you know, when you write an essay for college and you've got all the best intentions of writing a really good essay, it's <laughs> going to be the best essay you can possibly write, <laughs> and the first two thirds of it are brilliant, and then you realise that you've got an hour left before the deadline and you've got to finish it. You just go, and there's the conclusion
0: and there's the end of that.
1: Uh, yeah, That's very, what very this much. Does.
0: That, that is exactly what this does.
1: It's. Uh, it wraps up at the speed of sound into just a plot that, there was no hint of the drug involvement until that briefcase got handed through the car at the very end of the part one that we watched. And even no. then there was no hint of it. If any when Gary Mole found it. That is shoestring. And if I, I and I would like to, uh, what should we do, let's, well let's just do, before we do anything, let's round up the predictions. Okay. Uh, I think no points each. Uh, yep, no, I was totally, totally wrong. Um, we both thought Chrissy
0: was still alive. Uh, yep. She's dead. I think... God rest her soul. I just wasn't expecting it to be that obvious that it that it would be Christopher Biggins. Like, because like, he is, you know, totally, you know... Obviously the
1: bad guy. Yeah. I think it's disappointing because there was no real hint that this was effectively a huge drug plot. Uh, until yeah, yeah. 20 minutes from the end other than the fact that person in band takes drugs yeah. which is which not, is not uh, yeah, the far- farthest stretch in the world so predictions wise we're both wrong Yeah. so just to clarify the prediction situation because I've, I've been getting a lot of emails and texts about this <laughs> to people to clarify so first episode <laughs> Sorry, Mur- <laughs> first episode Murder She Wrote did you get that right? Uh, I believe did. I did, yes. You did. Cab there were no points awarded. Yeah. Bergerac. So you re-listened to that recently, the one we put out. Yeah. What happened in that, prediction-wise? I think I was right on that. <laughs> uh, no, you were right. Yeah, no, I th- I think I was right. You were right. Yeah. So it is 2-0. Yeah. It is 2-0. So I just want to get it, because if I don't say it, then I'll forget, and I want to make sure okay. we do have... A firm record. So, you, <laughs> so this is episode four. You are two 0 up. There's been two draws. Which
0: yeah, I'm happy with that.
1: Okay. Closing my
0: Shoe string. Shoe string. Bootlace.
1: Boot strap. Tongue. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> Any other parts of a shoe? <laughs> Heel, sole, eyelet, <laughs> <laughs> uh, little pouch of sodium powder, um,
0: uh, toe cap, insole. Oh, can you have sole? Yeah, oh, I suppose you can. Yeah, a um,
1: well, sole and then an insole. They're di- completely different. Um, tack. Stitching.
0: (laughs) 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 Welcome to the shittest podcast ever. Thank you very much. (laughs) They knew that before.
1: (laughs) But if they lasted this long, then fuck them. (laughs) (laughs) I do not stand by that remark. (laughs) Final thoughts on shoestring.
0: Okay. Um, Everyone's favourite former uh, computer engineer turned... uh, Essentially, talk radio, um, private ear, uh, private ear, um, which I hate. Uh, yeah, no, it's awful. Um, um, who dresses like a, dresses and acts like a geography teacher, who is also a fucking uh, computer. You know, bear in mind this guy is a computer engineer, but yet in the end of this episode, flings himself onto the top, onto the top of a fucking, onto the bonnet of a, um, a moving car. Orange Fortino for uh, Estate. Uh, the, the character itself it doesn't make any sense. Like, it, it, there is no reason, there is no chain of events that c- could create this character.
1: Like, no. um If you have a nervous breakdown working in an office as a computer person, then why are you recovering from that and becoming a private investigator that needs to put yourself in all sorts of danger situations? Y- yeah. Um,
0: so for that, it's... I mean, it's nonsense. I mean, he, you know, um, it's it's well written. And I, th- I think without the imbi- without the um,
1: presence of Toy Wilcox, this would have been fucking awful. Can I say? Can <laughs> I say? I watched a few of these. Okay. To find one that was good for us to do, and the reason I plugged for this one was because the cast was good. The cast in this is brilliant. Like there are loads of great people in this. I mean, even down to Mick Jagger's brother, which just as a point of note, is great to have Mick Jagger's Ju- Mick brother in something. Nice, nice, to know. But doing the rest it, of yeah. the people are are all good. Biggins, Bellingham, Wilcox, Dean. You know, they're all there. All the people you want to see in something of this <laughs> era. But this is by far and away the shittest one of these that I watched. <laughs> right. Like the other ones, like the one you watched half of yesterday, Knock for Knock, with the um, antique dealers and things, that's a good, that's actually quite a good episode. It's a little bit absurd at the end. Is that a good romp? It's better than this. It is better than this. So I think, I mean, if you think about it, a third of this episode is Toy Wilcox doing songs. Like, there's always three kind full of songs in this.
0: Which is what you want. That's uh, that has genuinely improved. Well, that's what probably. you want if
1: you're watching Top of the Pops. Not, <laughs> uh, not if you're watching a detective program.
0: No, no, you are, uh, you are right. So shall we uh, shall we rate shoestring? Okay, well, let's go through it. Shoestring. Shoes. <laughs> We're not going to do this again. <laughs> Bootlace. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Bootstrap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> give us some thoughts. <laughs> well, did we did we make Bergerac last week? We didn't because we recorded that ages ago. We didn't yeah. give Bergerac a rating. So okay, okay, let's let's get let's, so get, let's get. very quickly give Bergerac a rating, and then we'll do shoestring, and then we're we are out of here. Yeah, we're Brunchburger. We are straight to the
0: Wetherspoons. <laughs> so Bergerac rating. Um, I'm going to give Bergerac a solid 7.2. <laughs>
1: solid 7.2.
0: <laughs> <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the detective side, that's, that's
1: 7.2 competence badges. Okay, um, we've got to keep this really grip because it's last week's episode, but I'm going to give him... Let me just work this out. I'm going to give him a... 5.9, so give him an average rating of 6.5. Okay, because if I remember rightly, we had <laughs> Jessica Fletcher at 6.2. Yep. Cudfoyle at 7.25.
0: <laughs>
1: and now Bergerac is at 6.5. The reason I'm giving Bergerac such a low score—that is very well is because it. Charlie Hungerford does all the work. Now in this one. Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember Shoestring actually working anything out No, no, at he does all.
0: absolutely nothing. He just, he is basically there. Um, He's
1: there. Um, w- without him, Mole still finds the thing and gets yeah. killed. Uh, all he does is hang off a car. That's <laughs> All he does is get to the airport when they're about to ship the drugs yeah. out. But he only does that because Mole. Put him onto the fact that they were doing drugs. Yeah, and yeah, no, he, he's, he's, he's useless. He's superfluous. Yep. Yeah, he this plot could happen without him as a one off drama special. It, it just, you
0: know, it, it would have been better if like Toya Wilcox just solved it. Like, yeah, yeah. It would have been yeah. so much better.
1: She totally could have. And Biggins, it could have been a one off drama special. Biggins could have had a much bigger role. Wilcox could have had a much bigger role. Peter Dean. Peter Beale <laughs> is playing a policeman. He see, I, I did it. He not quite. <laughs> he could have. He could have been the one that solved it. It's his brother that's getting killed. Yeah, yeah. You do not need shoestring in this situation. No. So I'm giving him a two. Oh,
0: I was, I was going to go for a two. Um, Let's average it a two then. Yeah. Um, basically, you've got you've got the shoestring, but
1: you know you're better off with Velcro. <laughs> oh. <laughs> have you been working have you been working on that? Um, all for about five seconds. <laughs> it's bad. What do you think?
0: <laughs> I think that's already Might as well have Velcro. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just saying how useless shoestring is. Wait, see, know, I think the danger of this <laughs> episode was <that> always <laughs> my favourite joke. <laughs> That we would make too much play on the shoe string, <laughs> <shoelace, laughs> shoe lace <coughs> shoe situation, and we have. Well, we've lived up to expectations, <laughs> so
0: um, thank you. Right, yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening. Let's uh, let's let's uh, tie this up.
1: Let's put a bow in it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> Thank you very much. Ah. Um, Let's put it in the box. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put this episode on the rack. No, you're losing it. Shoe rack. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> what are we going to do next week? We don't know.
0: <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. We're going to have a discuss about that. We're going to talk about that. And
1: I would just say that people that are complaining that there aren't enough actual policemen on this program and it is called the detective Inspector, and the music that was created for this does hint that it's going to be police orientated. But it's very hard isn't it? There are very little because we
0: do find that um, basically writers just stop at the fucking gimmicks and just get, Give us some actual fucking
1: police people. Um, <laughs> There's a few more in Britain. Police. who've done it. There's very few in America. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm with you. The gimmick, the gimmick in this, that he used to be a comp- working computers and, is, and had a nervous breakdown and is now a private <laughs> eye, it serves no purpose. No. Whatsoever. If it served a purpose in the plot of any of the episodes that I've watched, then that would be fine, but it doesn't, it's just bollocks, it's like, Bergerac is an alcoholic, (laughs) but in no episode, does Bergerac being an ex-alcoholic or a recovering alcoholic, as we discussed, at no point does that have any say in it, 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 just make people a policeman, yeah, yeah, Um, make this episode, uh, make Shoestring a policeman, because
0: you know, for fuck's sake, we can't just watch *Touch of Frost*. Um, <laughs> we are really,
1: really putting off *Touch of Frost* and *Midsummer Murders*, but we know we're going to have to get there. Yeah. Join us next week. Thank, thanks for listening. <laughs> thank you for listening. Thank you, you have, for listening. Thank you. If you have, uh, join yeah. us next week for something else. It's something else. It um, might be, it might be heart to heart. Let's let's
0: make it our mission to actually have a genuine. Qualified plus also still serving member of the police force. Well, Bergerac was okay. um, Bergerac
1: was last week, although we recorded that ages ago. Yeah, it's been ages since we've since we've watched one. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know who it'll be.
0: Who knows? Let's find out. Yeah, let's find out. Tune in. Tune in and fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) No, no.
1: Cop out. <laughs> yes. Sorry. You.
0: Oh, you no, missed uh, that. Yeah. You saved it. You say absolutely. I meant tune in and cop out. Yeah. <laughs> I did what so, I said before. Is that going to be your catch? <laughs> <laughs> With the detective inspectors. chewing <laughs> in and fuck off. <laughs> Good night.
1: Latest potatoes. <laughs>